Hey everyone, in this AB Talk special about 2021, we discuss this year. How are we feeling about it? Are we scared? Are we happy? Are we excited? Are we depressed? Are we anxious? So I got a bunch of people that I'm sure you would love to hear from. Gary V, Hala Kadam, and Karen Wazen. I hope you enjoy this chapter. Take care. Okay, you said three to one and Karen, Karen ran away. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, welcome, everyone. This is a, a very random idea, but I think a very cool idea to have so many different people on one Zoom call, extremely diverse. Of course, I have my mother, Hala Kadam. I have Karen Wazen, who has a, one of the strongest online presence, uh, presences, or presence, actually, in the Arab world. And I think now it's quite global. Um, and she, actually, she's an entrepreneur, so that's actually a cool thing for me and Gary. And Gary V, of course, I don't need to introduce you. I think you're a mogul and a, uh, now, I think, completely an international personality that every human being who's trying to do you know, something that they're passionate about or want to get, get his life rolling, I think they see you as somebody who they can relate to. Thank so you. I thought you know, mixing all of us together would be an interesting thing. The topic is mainly about 2021 versus 2020. Um, I have very few questions because I think all of you are great speakers. So I'm going to ask them and then uh, we can just discuss together and we can give different opinions. So um, to kick off, um, I know that 2020 was a slap uh, to the whole world. Uh, it was really uh, something that you never maybe prepare or expect, uh, but it came and it came as a universal prob problem, not a continental or a local problem. Uh, or not a nationality issue. Uh, so it, it's like everybody was in the same issue all around the world at the same time. So yes, it was difficult, but at the same time, we can't deny that there were learnings and things that we, we got out of, especially if you can manage to see the half full part of the glass. So I'll start with my mother. Uh, what do you think were your learnings from 2020? Hi, everyone. Gary, it's so nice to meet you at least here. And Karen, oh, well, first time meeting you here. Um, I think uh, if we want to speak about 2020 and, and 2021, I think we would talk about it for hours and days and days because I think uh, I have done my own research and I know I've done six stages of Corona. And that is was 2020. Now, I think what I will answer your question because the stages are still were, were still there. Um, I think it was a wake up call. I think um, we, we learned more about ourselves in one year more than we learned about ourselves in so many years. And humans are adaptable. So we did adapt. And we learned who are our friends, who can we kick out, who can we kick in. And we learned about um, so many things that we lost. Uh, 2020 made me at least realize uh, what do I really have in my plate? 
and how strong I am. And it's okay to be weak. It's, it's too many things that we learned. I don't think, like, you know, I could talk in a few minutes about it, but I think mainly it showed uh, a good family and how uh, we got united. Uh, it showed good friends. It, it showed good health. It, good, it showed how strong we are here. I mean, we've been working on ourselves, I think all of us in this Zoom room for years. But then you don't know how good you are at anything until you try it or you are put in that situation. And I think 2021 made me realize so much about myself and that how I can, you know what? I did it and I did it with a very high spirit. That's me, but it showed us so many things. So I, I, we learned, we learned a lot. Gary, what would you say? Because you also come from a very, you work or you're based in a very different context and you have a fast life and you have a family life and you're, you know, you're always moving. Uh, I've seen how you operate when you came to the UAE. So how did that affect you? And how, what, what did you learn from 2020? I'm moving here much more than physically. And so to your point, and I think this is where your mom was going and I couldn't agree more with the tone and energy. Um, you're right. I'm incredibly, I'm actually faster now than when you saw me in Dubai. And what you saw was a frantic pace, right? I land, me, D-Rock, Maha, whoever's with me, we are trying to squeeze everything out of that trip, right? It is truly a 17 hours, 18 hours, 19 hours execution, three days, zero minutes downtime, even in the car in between the two places we're going, we're acting, we're producing content, we're acting on a phone call, I'm checking back in in New York. Ironically, sitting at this desk, just the limited stoppage of when I would go to the bathroom in the office, but I would say hello to three people for two minutes is now more efficient time. I'm, I'm faster than I've ever been right now because I'm really moving here more than physically. My body is the output of the mental strategy. And much to what your mom was saying, I think that this, what I learned was affirmation from what I already knew. I know that I am a wartime general. I know I like adversity. I know that I'm at my best when it's hard. And I know that because I started my career, you know, for, but besides my upbringing, which is really why I am, but I've already had two other times I can speak to. 9-11 was devastating for my business. I was just starting it. All of my business was in Wall Street and that, that event destroyed New York and the tri-state area in a way that if you didn't live here, you just don't understand just like any thing in life, a tornado, a tsunami, right? You read about it, but you don't live it. And I had to weather that storm. I had $3 million worth of orders canceled on futures. So I bought it based on people paying me, but they wanted their money back. I had, to I had to weather that storm and that was devastating. The economic crisis in 2008 was very devastating. So for me, I've only been grounded in family's health as my happiness. I am the simplest boy on earth. If I wake up today and the 10 people I love did not die overnight, I am extremely happy. And I don't believe people believe me 
but I know it's true. I am thoughtful, concerned, ambitious, navigating, but the delta, like if people for who I am known as, and even, you know, even DRock who's very close to me, I just know that nobody understands how little I care about business or success. It's almost non-existent to me. It's the byproduct of being happy every day and being, and being self-aware and having natural talent in something that led to financial upbringing. But for me, it was just an affirmation. I knew that people that weren't happy were gonna be upset because adversity exposes. That's what happened. Adversity exposes. And so for me, it gave me another, aff- I, I come out of this stronger because I have a current affirmation that I'm fundamentally unstoppable until, just like Superman has kryptonite, <laughs> I am vulnerable to my mother's passing, to even a more catastrophic event of, God forbid, losing a child, like something very serious. Other yeah. than that, I don't give a crap if I lost a deal or I, or I lost all my speaking money or I'm, I'm, thri- I'm happy. I've gotten bigger muscles during this time. I've gotten more sleep, which I'm sure is gonna be good for me. And I've made my company way better. I've made my company way better. So I think this has exposed us. I really okay. like that you, you, I know my mother was nodding also when you said how adversity exposes and it, it clarifies. I think it's so true. Karen, I think I would be really interested also to know about you because you make a lot of income from you know your presence online and the campaigns and the brands and the collaborations and suddenly influencer marketing was, it was completely out and you have kids and you have a husband and you were a person who travels so much and now suddenly you're at home and you have to you know, be a mom and still manage maybe some kind of collaboration and be creative. I mean, how did that affect you and what did you learn in your experience? I hope I'm gonna be able to be as like explicit as both of you. <laughs> and uh, I actually related to so much that, you know, both uh, Gary and uh, Hala have said, um, something that actually really like um, hit hard was Gary, what you said about knowing something, but not, but it not actually being reality. So I'm someone who, um, you know, you were saying you've been through situations before where you've been hit hard. I can't say the same. So I, uh, I feel blessed and very grateful to have, you know, kind of been always, it's always been kind of smooth for me in terms of work, in terms of, you know, getting, uh, getting things done. Uh, and, um, and I always knew that, I always knew that I should be very grateful for the real things in my life. And I would keep repeating this to myself. I always knew that I was strong, but I never had to prove it to myself. And this year I was like, cause for me, I have to say personally, I'm Lebanese. And other than the fact that the world went through a storm, Lebanon in itself went through something else. Mm-hmm. Explosion that hits, you know, the center. Mm. My friends and family were affected. Um, being an expat, I had this really strong guilt feeling as well of me, you know, not being there and I was supposed to be there and I wasn't there. And why can I smile? Whereas my friends are literally mourning their friends or families. So it was a very, you know, there was this really dark period. And this is when I was like, 
you little selfish, sorry, like idiot. What are you complaining about? Your kids are home. Thank God your kids are home. And all these things that happened throughout this year, I feel like, like you said, Hala, I grew up in one year, I would say 10 years, 10 years of d deeply growing within my heart. And um, I always, oh, I was a little, you know, I, I got my children very, in one year, I was like, I went from, you know, being um, no mom, I was just like a, a wife <laughs> and I didn't have a job. And all of a sudden I had a career and three children within a year. And that was obviously, you know, a lot to take in, but I was always kind of like complaining, you know, like I have too much on my plate. I have too much on my plate. I have too much on my plate until this period. And I was like, if I thought I had too much on my plate, then now they're home. The three of my children are home and they're young. Some of their, the three of them are under six. And I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm, 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 I'm gonna fall apart. And, and I, and I felt it. But in fact, it was the contrary. I realized it was the first time that I was interacting with my children in the true sense of interaction. I was playing with them in a way that I would not play with them before because my head was constantly thinking of what I should be doing. I was haunted by FOMO, I have to say, especially I think in the industry that we're in, we're always exposed, like we're on our phones all the time. It's very easy for us to fall into this um, you know, why, why is this person doing this and I'm not? Well, how did this person get this and I'm not? And instead of looking at what I had, I was just busy looking at this until I realized I've had everything this whole time and I just didn't value it as much. And this year, that's what I say, like I've just, with what happened in Lebanon, with what was happening all over the world, the fact that I still had a job, I still had, you know, health, I still had a, a roof, for me and my children and my husband, I got closer to my husband, I got closer to my children. And I was like, this, you know, this is life. And, and if this is how it is, and this is how it's gonna be, I can do it. Another thing, sorry, maybe I'm talking too much, but another no, thing- this is great. This is honestly, I think you're talking about something that I think a lot about, I'm sorry to interject, which is people are not driven by gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've noticed a lot of people get closer to gratitude during this part. I'm fascinated by people's fanciness. I, I love your vulnerability talking about FOMO. I'm so grateful of my lack of FOMO. Like wherever I am, I am. How did you and get I, to that? You, you need to get to that by creating a relationship of actually not caring about what another human being thinks at any point ever, forever. And that is an incredibly difficult state. Yes. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I feel as though these very big events, the death of someone, an explosion thing, something, or the macro thing that we left and, and Corona is a big event, um, helps people get to that place. I, I'm completely convinced that in 20 years when it is far more acceptable to say so, people will talk about COVID as the turning point in the most positive way to their life. I really believe that. I, I would say, they would talk about, I think, if we, we want to be realistic, it was a very, um, a disaster for some people. Literally, I mean, wife abuse or domestic abuse has gone so, you know, high in, you know, the, the percentage of that and people going into depression. So I would say there will be people, thank God all of us, three of us or four of us here, and there will be people that they really, really suffered and not suffered because they are negative or they are dramatic, 
but because the situation didn't help them, losing job that you have to eat, not just to survive. I mean, we all survived because we are comfortable. Correct. There are people, they depend totally on their income. There are people, there are women that they've been beaten to death. So this is not something that we say, yeah, look at the positive side. But, 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 but let's take a step back. Yeah. If Corona and COVID happened a hundred days earlier, Kobe Bryant would be alive. So I think what people do is they say, they look at things in a, in a narrow perspective. You're absolutely right. I would also say there are people who got divorced during this time and they think it was bad, but what they don't know is if the Corona didn't happen, they would have been hit by a car three weeks later and died, which is worse than divorce. Like, you know, I think you're right. Cause that's just life. But, but I think what's fascinating about this is when one is still, they have to see. They can't use motion to hide. And so what I'm fascinated by is beaten to death is the ultimate game. It's like I said earlier in my kryptonite, death is the game. Realizing that you very much do not like your partner because they have drinking issues, they have insecurity issues, that then gave you the courage in this environment of trappedness to actually make the final decision that you're gonna move on with your life and playing that out. So I I think you're right. There's no such thing as everybody, all eight billion people are yay. But I do, I do think it's a very interesting time with a lot of things that are going on. Yeah, a lot. I mean, I really think, I think like Anas were talking, was talking about this, like it is very um, unusual. And I said strange, but I would yeah. say it is, uh, it had all the contradiction of life in one year. In one minute, you're happy, you're with your family. In another minute, you have taken... I think one of the things I want to say, human, um, by nature, we, we thrive freedom. And Corona has taken some of the freedom of choice, which touches human being. You cannot travel. You cannot go out, you have to wear this, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. And people going through that, it was not easy. And until now, by the way, we are grieving, no matter how positive we are, we all are grieving and it's okay because we did lose things. Yes, I am with that idea that you should be positive and it's good and Actually, you know, I I have a lot of things that I've been grateful, but I'm very realistic to say um, there are things happened that makes you pause and learn. Karen, you were going to say a second point from your learnings. Yeah, I wanted to, to, the second part I wanted to say was linked to what uh, Hala was saying about us as human beings being, um, having a, adaptation as you know part of our nature even if we don't think we are and actually when my son when I was looking for a school uh, to put my son in I did the orientation I went to several schools and I sat down in one of them and the president of the school was talking and he was saying that um, 
in the past, they used to measure intelligence based on uh, the IQ, and then it became uh, measured based on the emotional intelligence, and now it's based on the adaptation intelligence. Wow. Really struck wow. me before COVID. This is like three years ago. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? This is exactly what I want my children to be. I want them to learn to, to be able to be switched on when they need to change, when they need to adapt, when they need to recreate, they can. Well, Not let's, to, let's, let's talk about that. Because this is one of the things I'm most passionate about in the world. <laughs> I, I believe that modern parenting has completely eliminated that capability. Mm. That, that, that adversity is the only way that that can be taught and that parents have become such micromanagers of their children and such manipulators of their outcome that we are not giving children the opportunity to lose, skin their knee, go outside and not be watched, fail, come in seventh place. And this is a convo I've been having with a lot of parents that, hey, pay attention now because you're closer to watching your kids than ever. And notice your own self, be self-aware how much you overprotect. You know, Hala, you know this and like, and you definitely know how you were parented and your generation. Parents are just in their kids shit now, everything. And like, I used to go, me, I'm not, I'm only 45 years old. I used to go outside when I was seven. And until I had to come back for lunch for 30 minutes or until I had to come back at 7 p.m., I lived in the world. Gary, and I so was the I same. Got, right. So, by the way, oh, yeah. let's let's talk about this because when yeah, you look I would here, I would leave I would leave at three p.m. I'm back by sunset and nobody there's no mobile phones, but you go and you figure yourself out and you come and it was fine. And so now that we're talking more about mental health and emotional and happiness as success, not money, I think there's going to be an evolution of conversation around this issue because there's people that make money that were micromanaged but happiness and adaptivity is only pr predicated on how you were trained. And if you are a child that is programmed 24 hours a day in a box of manufactured success, you have no shot. And so I look at kids today that try to compete. I mean, these kids that, is, that run up, I mean, are 25 years old and I get a 10 minute convo with them and you know, especially alpha males, I'm one, so I get it. I'm coming at you, Gary V, I'm gonna beat you. Sometimes in the right, sometimes in the right moment when I'm just in the mood, I just drop a hammer on them out of just sheer competitiveness. I'm like, you lost before you started, my guy. Your parents pay for your Uber. How the fuck are you gonna beat me? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think yeah. that, I think that, I'm really glad you brought that up, Karen. And I think, I think for all the parents that are listening, I think that was incredibly powerful, which I hope leads to an honest conversation of, are you willing to let your kids cry? Are I know you the- Like they're not all the greatest, like self-awareness is the most important trait to get to self-love. When you, know you tell your kids they can do anything when they can't, that is yeah. a problem. Delusion and entitlement lead to depression. Oh, delusion is such a big word. And I think you're absolutely right. Because I get it, by the way. Gary, you've been on the AB Talks show before. And constantly, constantly, I get DMs and messages. And sometimes people will stop me in the street and say, by the way, I saw this episode or that episode. And one day I'll be on the chair. And sometimes they're a bit aggressive about it. I'm like, 
Sure. Like, what, what am I supposed to tell you? Like, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you'll be great and I, I would love but to. But you know what the answer but is? I don't... And I, you know what the answer is? And I'll say it for my energy because I know it was aggressive. I hope so. Hmm. That's your answer. Like, That's to fine. me, right? And, right? 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 I, I hope so. Like, it makes me happy. When Chris Saka made a lot more money investing than I did when we were friends in that era, that makes me happy. I don't know if you guys see this. Look at the goosebumps. The reason I have so many mm-hmm. goosebumps is because I love merit. I don't want to win. I want the game to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when somebody comes to you, I hope so. When, when kids come, I'm like, you know, normally I say, I hope so. Once in a moon, I'm, you know, if, if I don't like the way they say it, I'll get them because I'm funny like yeah. that. But the answer is I hope so. But, it, but they, will, ha- but they yeah. will have no chance if they can't get punched in the face. I got to seven fights by the time I was nine years old. Kids don't fight anymore. No. Nobody fights. I think, I think these, I don't want to be unfair, but the new generation, because of the easy, easiness mm-hmm. of life and the access to information, I had an interview with a very young, early 20, and she was like, but you know, you think I'm young, but I have done and I have been, and I was interviewing her for my job, for a job. And then I said to her, you might be, but then you have not worked for me. So I don't know if you are. And you know, Nido actually taught taught me that. The thing is that it, it makes me feel sad because my generation, we didn't have that much confidence for until we had to really, really learn. Then this young generation comes to me and she wants to teach me, which is fine. I do learn from my children. Of course. I do learn from the young children but, or young, um, young adults even. But the issue is when you say, when you just said that, you know, they, they think they, they know everything. Holly, you know what's so funny on that? Titled. I got it. You know, you know, I have a lot of those combos, and I say, but you're here asking me. You know so much about social media. I'm going to make up your scenario. You're going to teach me Pinterest or this and that. But if you're so good, you're asking me. Mm. I've never you know, asked any, also, I'm, uh, this is very important. I'm gonna finish this so I apologize that is. I've never asked anybody for anything because I don't want them to have leverage. So if somebody's like, the scenario you're painting makes me laugh because here she is. And the reason that you're telling this story is because the way she communicated rubbed you slightly in a direction. And it's because she came with audacity and delusion because she didn't understand the macro game. She may know everything about social media better than you, her problem was she was asking you for something. And I tell people, the reason I never ask anybody for anything is not because I'm so cool, it's because I don't want to. I wanna do things that make people come to me. You know, you, you made me uh, realize something, uh, Mama and, and Gary. I think one of the challenges that the current generation have is that they, if, if you baby them, and you comfort them so much, you are building misplaced and misguided confidence in them. It's delusional confidence. It's not actual confidence. Yeah, and my, my mother, what, what she mentioned is before the old school people, let's say pre-internet, 
which I think all of us probably fall under that category. We built our we built that muscle. If that was a muscle and confidence was a skill, we built it after a long time to be able to speak so freely and express ourselves. By the way, by the way, by the way, to our expense. Let's not let's play both sides of the coin. There was a lot of people who were insecure in our generation because they waited. They they needed different. They needed fake affirmation. So many of my friends were like they. We played within the system. These kids have mm. some great advantages. They just need to temper their delusion. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think. I mean, Anas very well said. And um, I I I am fifty eight years old, and I come from a generation that our parents like you know. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know if this is appropriate, especially with Anas on the call. But Feel you free. look remarkable. I just wanted to say it. I don't know if I'm allowed just, to say she, that. She, wow. she just loved you more. She just loved you more now. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Wasn't sure if I could land. <laughs> now, 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 really, I love you more. Anyway, um, so when I remember the way we grew up and putting us down all the time, you don't know this, you don't know this, you're stupid, you're this, you're that. Yeah which is the other extreme to tell you the truth. So imagine all the work that I had to reprogram myself and change all what they taught us. And then you become who you are. That's why I think my generation, if they worked on themselves, they have a very strong foundation, very strong, because I just, I literally feel my, my ground is so strong when I do something and I feel something or I believe in something. Yet, when we talk about the new generation and how much they have delusions, that uh, overconfidence that they give them. So they feel entitled, which you yeah. said, uh, Gary. And I think and I'll come I back to- I'll come back to, sorry, mama. Uh, I'll call, uh, I'm coming back to uh, Karen to stitch everything back. And because you stopped at the word adaptability which i yeah. think is a huge characteristic mm -hmm. i don't want to sound too condescending of the new generation because as gary said i think they're way smarter they're way more resourceful however like you said if you temper it's just bring it down they, bring they, it down they, a bit they, they i'm sorry to interrupt Karen. i just want to say this because it's important to me they can't help that the world is in a better place than it was for us yeah mm -hmm. right and oh by the way i'm 45 and i know parent my friends, my parents' friends, and my generation, unlimited entitled people. They're usually called rich kids, <laughs> right? There's just much more wealth in the world now, so it's just happening again, that's all, with more people. So I, I think it's, a, you know, I'm so bored by millennials or kids, they don't get it, and I'm so bored by kids not realizing that they're asking for things. I'm so tired of 60-year-olds making fun of 20 year olds, but I'm tired of 20 year olds thinking that they should get $8 million from somebody for their idea. <laughs> so it's, it, there's two sides to this that are very important. And we obviously Absolutely. we're generalizing. The reason we're generalizing is between the internet and wealth, there are a lot more people that are in a situation that are situated towards entitlement and being spoiled. Hence how this all started. Parents make fun of these kids and they're the ones who created them. So I'm saying, Absolutely. let's get into accountability. You don't want your kid, my little guy, Xander, like I don't let him beat me in basketball. So he's not confused. He's not better than me. 
<laughs> that matters. I like it. Yeah, Karen, absolutely. Uh, Karen, so I don't know if that message stopped at adaptability. Uh, so that's my first question to you. Uh, no, the reason I brought this up is because you had asked me about my work. So now we're completely shifted. Uh, and I'm shifting I love back. how it's shifted. Yeah. I love it, how it shifted and now I'm coming back. Uh, yeah, so the reason I brought this up is because you had asked me about my work and you uh, you like you assumed that because of you know the situation, uh, my work would have stopped. And in fact, it absolutely did not. And I was getting maybe even more jobs than I was uh, you know exposed to prior to COVID. And that's because I uh, took myself out of a box of I only work with, fashion and beauty brands and I don't know what because this is what fits my profile. In fact, I'm a human. I'm sitting in a home right now. If I'm going to collaborate with a pasta brand, which I've never done before, but now it works. If I want, it, I, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real to myself. I'm going to be real to my life. I'm going to be real to my profile. And that was amazing for me. I used to fear working with FMCG brands because I'm like, this is going to ruin me. This is going to ruin my career. This is going to ruin. And in fact, it didn't ruin anything. It made me, you know, just live life normally, um, be more real. Because at this time, honestly, collaborating with a luxury brand would have would have been impossible and just um, insensitive and just. I would have rejected that probably at that moment, you know? So mm. that's what I was saying, like we adapt. Yes, we adapt. Our work can adapt if you don't limit it to whatever it is. And if you don't limit yourself as well, you know, like I, I, I managed and I'm, I'm proud of that transition. And today I feel strong enough that no matter what comes our way, I can adapt and I can shift it and I can switch it. And this is why when I, were, I was talking about the children, I, I don't think our parents are capable of doing this. I don't even think the, uh, at least I'm talking in my uh, field of work, um, even the, the, the content creators that started when Instagram first started, I feel are having a lot more difficulty shifting you know, and recreating themselves than the ones who came in a little bit later. Uh, because they still are stuck to having, you know, that beautiful feed, uh, whatever it is, and versus, you know, get letting go of whatever it is that it, it be, get with it, recreate, recreate, adapt, recreate. And I think this is the, uh, the essence of growth for me. So uh, the second point we'll start with you, Gary, is we've already got a glimpse. We're in quarter one of 2021. So we've got a glimpse of maybe a taste of how it is. So how do you think is gonna pan out? I know we are a bit reluctant to, to put no, the forecast, I'm, but- I'm, I, think, I think business as usual. You know, I think the last six months or the next nine months, I think we're gonna slowly come back to a mixed reality uh, in two ways, the way we travel and interact with people virtually or in person and a mixed reality and stopping and starting to open up our countries in different parts of the world. Obviously, Dubai's in a different place than Australia is. Australia's in a different place than where America is. So, I, you know, there's certain places that need to go through. And I think this year is still pretty much a wash. This is not 2019. Yeah. I think 2022 is 2019, I hope. Cross my fingers. And then I think the conversation gets more interesting of like, okay, now what? But I think... If you're anticipating this year, my intuition is it falls into very similar places we've been for the last six months. Masks in public, continued growth on internet things, alternative investments, blockchain, 
uh, I don't know, NFT, I think you would love this. I don't know if you've looked at NFT, non-fungible tokens, crypto art, crypto collectibles. I think people I'm are learning. Moving, yeah, I think people are moving money into new places. You know, the sports card thing, you know, I bought a bunch of Mbappe that's, that's rookie all you. cards. I got a lot of Mbappe <laughs> rookie cards. I talk a little football. Yeah. Mo Salah, I'm yeah. looking at some of his cards right now. Um, uh, so I think a lot of the same, which, is ver- which has been very transformational the last year. A lot more DTC, a lot more digital, clubhouse, audio, VR, AR, Bitcoin. There's been a lot of disruption. Gary, yeah, would have- you see, because you, you know you hear... Um, uh, you hear a lot of people saying, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. Do you ever think there will be back to normal or will, be the, no. there, will there be a new normal? There'll be a new normal. It's impossible. I am not going to travel as much. I'm going to see my children at their school functions all the time because I'm going to do my business call on the phone, Zoom, then their recital or their game will start. I'll hang up and then I'll go in the car and back into a meeting where that was difficult before because person, the business associated wanted to meet in person. But now mm. she or he will be open, not always. And I won't be. There'll be times where I still fly to Dubai for one meeting, but there'll be absolutely times where I have uh, three meetings in Dubai that would have required a trip that won't. You and I, mm. I'll give you a great one. You and I are going to be closer because of COVID. Instead of seeing, I mean it. Instead of seeing yeah. each other once, like it's, it's just so obvious. We're going to be in this mixed world. And yeah. uh, I think we're going to be more thoughtful because I think ev- here's why. I wasn't affected by it or just America, the world was. So yeah, we now correct. all know Zoom. We all know Zoom, right? Yeah. If we told Hala, you have to do Zoom at half your meetings, she might have or might have not been reluctant. You might have, by the way, I was reluctant. I wanted everybody together. Yes. But now I don't. If my employee yeah. wants to live, come to but work for me. Gary, go ahead. I have a question. Is that healthy? Because human beings are created to connect. And I don't mean connect through Zoom or a phone. We are, we are human. Main thing about human beings that we are social, social creatures. And we want to be touched and we I want agree. eye contact and we want to feel and we want to smell the person. We'll never change. And, and I think... No, good news. I'm going to save you time. We're not going to live in a bubble just yet. Not yet. We, Gary, we, 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 yeah, of course, Karen. Something regarding what you're saying. Uh, during lockdown, something freaked me out. Okay. My- brother-in-law came to our house with this um vr ar i don't know what mask i don't know what yep. they're called yeah oculus or something like that and i he was just my husband was there playing poker in shanghai right. through this thing i know all he was saying was oh my like what like this it's so, coming it's it, coming it scared me for my kids because let me, I try let, me to... let me let me tell you something. I'm sorry to interrupt because I want to get a lot of things in. Cavemen think we're crazy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> there are people that are scared to fly on planes. Yeah, I know, but the the, 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 the but touch... what technology that no they don't care. No, what humans are not ready. If this was five thousand years ago, humans should not wear clothes. Yeah. Humans, humans were not meant exactly. to wear clothes. <laughs> Of course, I have great news. Let me make it easier for you. In 200 years, your your family members will be robots and live in pods 24 hours a day. 
You feel better, you feel worse. I don't understand, you know, we, we, we live in the virtual world half the day anyway. You live in here. You live in here half the day, come on. People, we, we will, everybody who's alive right now will continue to touch and there'll be less touching and less touching and less touching. And we used to touch completely, we were naked. It's like yeah. pe people act like the world started when they were alive. Yeah. Right, people are confused. You know who I think we are? I think we're cavemen and women. I think in, in 3,000 years, because we have video, they're gonna watch us and they're gonna think we were crazy to live in the actual world. We're cavemen and women. Of course we are. The audacity that the world is predicated on the rules and the small little window where you live for 100 years is silly to me about human beings. And then what they do with that, with that audacity, is they get scared. And so they suppress and fear their children and limit their upside of creativity and happiness. That's what I believe. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Karen. Please, I, I, I'm, I don't I, want to drift. I'll ask you, I'll ask you a question, Karen. Now, a lot of people, uh, as my mother touched a bit about, uh, they couldn't help but feel anxious, depressed, down. They're not traveling anymore. They're maybe stuck in a studio with kids and a pet and, and they don't have a garden. And you can't help, but some people, of course, and a lot, I would not say even a little, a lot of people, it got to them and yeah. some more than others. What would you maybe say or things that you've learned that helped you would be as advice on how people can tackle, now I wouldn't say the next year, the next few months. Uh, I mean, it's, it's exactly that. It's that today everyone is looking at themselves thinking, you know, how am I gonna deal with me? My, I can't compare so much my life to someone, like you said, who's maybe a single mom with three kids at home and um, maybe living in a two bedroom or one bedroom apartment. I can't compare her to me who's in a completely different situation. And I, and I would feel insensitive to say that I can feel what she's feeling. But what I definitely can say is that living day by day and, and trying to figure out whatever it is that you can for your day and saying, like Hala said, it's okay if I'm not okay today. It's fine. You don't need to be at your best. You don't need to compare to what other people are living. And like Gary, I saw what you posted today about the gratitude, how if you are in that sense of like, like you think, thank God I am with my children right now. Thank God they are healthy. Other people had everything and lost a family member to COVID and they had it all. I, I doubt they are uh, happier than uh, someone who's living, you know, in, in a difficult situation um, because of lockdown. So I think uh, it's, 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 it's basically all goes back to uh, being, and I know it's hard and a lot of times, but really just putting yourself in that mental state of, I am grateful for today. It is okay if I'm not well, there is tomorrow. And, you know, I, th this is how I do it, at least with me. I speak to myself all the time and it just makes me feel good. <laughs> Mom, would you add anything uh, to people who maybe are really uh, struggling to find the means of how to manage uh, this period? Well, I think, um, yeah, mainly it is, um, it's difficult for us to talk, I mean, to, for me to talk about someone uh, in that situation, but all I would say that, um, you know, I kept, thinking about it last year 
And every single day I was telling my husband, we are safe. Leave everything else. Leave the food, the thing. We are safe. We are not afraid somebody's out there killing us or there is a bomb or there is a, a war. We are safe. Now, what I would say to other people is um, they have to ask for help. They have to seek help. Um, you cannot do it alone, especially if you feel you are in this hole and this anxiety and depression is, it's very overwhelming when you are in that deep hole. And I know I've been through, uh, and I know that you cannot do it alone and you need somebody, even if you cannot afford it, you can meet somebody wise, somebody can, you can think loud with, with and organize your life and think of things that you can create because really human, are, you know, are made to be creative under pressure. I do believe. Like, you know, in Arabic, um, um, when there's a need, you become like under pressure, you, you come up with solutions or you, yeah. you discover there, things. Yeah. So these people, I know you, you, they feel that they are in a very, very difficult situation. And I'm not talking about the abuse and all that. That needs to go to authorities. I mean, if you come to that stage, that is not somebody you call and just say, you know, I just want to talk and think loud. No, you have to do the step of yeah. finding a solution. But I'm talking about, you know, if you really feel that you are stuck and you're depressed or you feel anxious, which I, they come to me and they speak to me about this. And I, I meet a lot of people like that. You have to ask for help. And I know it's um, help what Karen said and, and Gary said. Gary, um, from your perspective as a male, as a businessman, as a father, a husband, uh, you know, all of the things and the responsibilities that come into your life, you know, as all of these functions, what would you address, especially the, the male side, you know, uh, us men also maybe we're very used to being productive and going in and out. And uh, I think we are programmed to think that about ourselves. And when we don't do it, we feel useless. So how would you, what would you say are the tips that maybe that kept, kept you sane? This and this. I, I'm going to say it again. I was hunting more, not less. Hmm. And the did you have to adapt, the, the, for example, the, did you balance no. your life? Did you work out? Did you see your kids yes, more? Yes, I did. Yes, I, yes. And so my parents more, yes, and was more productive. The mm. world is inefficient. The world is inefficient. Sitting on the internet at home is efficient. This is why I know people will end up in pods because of COVID. It's better. I, now, mm. let me tell what you why. Digital is the gateway drug to human. Let what me say mean? it slowly. I'll explain. I don't know if you know this, but I'm in New York City and you're in Dubai. We are talking to each other right now and it feels 97% like we're in the same room. 60%. I don't care what number you decide to use. 
when I when I yeah when you, I, you knew I was I was discounting that now. of course I knew you were which is why I know people let me explain let me tell you how well I know people when you and I see each other on February 16th or or of next year or if I come sooner this summer the hug that you and I are going to have is going to be tighter because of this hour spent on zoom Interesting. It is interesting, what, all, right? Okay. Like this is because the world is obsessed with or, and I live in and. The world, yeah. The world is obsessed with or, this or that. It has to be this or that. I live in the world of and. And that yeah. is my greatest I like strength. Um, I know you have to go, all of you. So I'm going to narrow it down to something very simple. I don't like. Um, goals or what they call it new year's resolutions and all that shit i don't enjoy those i think they're quite unrealistic and they disappoint but i'd rather like directions and themes so i want to ask each of you in, in short to tell me we'll start from karen my mother and we'll close with gary what is your theme or your direction that you've placed for yourself or you would like to place for yourself this year that's a big one. <laughs> and in fact, uh, this is probably the first year where I didn't, I didn't even realize when we, when we were, when we were switching to 2021, like there was absolutely no transition for me. It was just, okay, we're there and that's it. And I didn't even give it thought of what I wanted from 2021 for the same reasons that I'm like, I don't even know what it's going to look like. But what I can definitely say is I am in this I don't, today I feel, um, I mean, ever since, I don't know, I just feel I have less, uh, it might be bad for me to say this given the um, industry that I'm in, I am less consumed by what I'm seeing, a lot more consumed with how I'm thinking. I'm feeling so much more productive in how I am working that rather than the energy and the information that I'm taking from my phone or from, you know, versus last year, I was uh, glued to my phone, my full entertainment, my full inspiration, everything came from my phone. Now I feel like I am almost getting bored of it and I'm finding new strengths within me to continue. And I feel like I am taking bigger steps this year than I ever was like entrepreneurial steps. Uh, another thing, my, my husband, which you, you know well, has been working in the banking industry for 16 years, and today was officially his last day he resigned. And uh, I'm really happy. So where I also have this like partnership that I'm really excited about, we're going to, you know, and, and there was COVID that really pushed him to, to, to feel the lack of efficiency and effectiveness that he had from going to the office every single day, doing something that wasn't inspiring him. So um, where I'm a lot more in the direction of getting things done and less on, on taking things that I feel are just um, noise. Okay. So I would say more bigger steps for Karen. Like one word things. <laughs> more, no, no, it's not a one word. It's a theme and more in tune with what you want to do rather than the information that you're importing into your brain. Yeah. Uh, Mama. Makeover. I'm sorry? Makeover. I am. Makeover. Yes. I think um, I used 2020 very well. I was very productive in the house. Like every day I was doing something, decluttering, cooking, exercising. I became closer to my husband. 
because I made it very organized in sense like where he works, where I work, where the boys work. I mean, just for Gary and Karen to know that I have two boys living with me and the three not. So I arranged everything. So it would be a problem if I'm still living with you. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think we're good this way. And I think I am very proud of myself for using all I learned and adapting to 2020 and then coming to 2021, I made the decision that I really need a makeover. I need to redo it, redo things and learn more things and be, have a different, that's why I'm rebranding myself that yeah. Reinventing, we'll say reinventing Alakaba. Yes, yes. <laughs> Gary, finale. Um, for me, it's a game of continued practical optimism would be my answer. Continued practical optimism. You know, that is practical optimism is my framework. I, I believe good things happen when you do the right things. I think karma is the most real thing on earth. I'm shocked how people are like, karma? I'm like, no, 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 you did a nice thing for people and something good happened. That's actually how life works in the long term. In the short term, you can do something bad and it looks like something good happened for you, but you're only tricked and it's not sustainable. Hmm. Even if it ends up with you on paper looking like you made money and did well, let me tell you how that story ends if you're not doing the right thing three people show up to your funeral. So it always plays out. And so for me, it's continued practical optimism because optimism lacking self-aware is delusion. So continued yes. practical optimism. My, my code for the future is CPO. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for your time. Thank you. Oh, cheers, great job. I hope, so far, I hope this video it's gonna help some people gonna, and hopefully we're gonna hug each other. We'll hug each soon. other very soon. I have to come to you, all of you. So I'll see you soon. Bye everyone. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye.